Hey, good morning, SunWest, and welcome to Church at Home. Welcome, welcome to our living room. Uh, I've got a friend with me this morning. Oh, we're at friend status. We're, okay. we're at friend status. Um, apparently, no, we're actually a little bit more than friends. It's my wife, Amanda, and this is our living room. And we are here to welcome you to our online experience at church this morning. And we want to update you on a few things uh, to keep you connected here at SunWest in this season. And one of those you've probably already discovered this morning is we've, we've launched Holy Week devotions. And we thought it'd be a great idea from April the 5th to April the 13th to connect our church body um, with the journey of Christ to the cross during Holy Week. And at 8 a.m. every morning on Facebook, we're going to be posting different member from SunWest who's sharing a devotion on scriptures leading up to that. We'll be posting those scriptures ahead of time so that you can uh, read along with that and journey with us as we connect um, during this special season of Easter uh, leading up to next weekend. Yeah, and if you missed uh, this morning's, it is the passage of Matthew 21. 1 to 11, so you have a chance to uh, unpack that with Pastor Colton if you haven't already this morning. And we'll have uh, Pastor Colton share this morning. I have many others share uh, throughout the coming days, but that's not all. Just for uh, That's for adults, yeah. uh, kids as well, and students, I guess, but also we have something special just oh, for kids. Something extra special. Something, do you see what I did there? Something extra special. Pastor Kendall and her husband, Mr. Colin, are going to be on every morning as well, uh, leading up to Easter, and they are going to be doing some devotions and some fun Easter activities for the kiddos. So another great opportunity Absolutely. for you to do something as a family, or if your kids need some time to do something on their own so you can get some stuff done, this is an excellent opportunity. So uh, be sure to like the kids, uh, SunWest Kids Facebook Absolutely. page. Absolutely. We'll share it on our, on our SunWest Facebook page as well, but go over and like the kids as well, because there's uh, tons of activities and tons of things you're going to want to stay connected with in this season from our, our kids pastor and their team. Good Friday is coming up. Good Friday is coming up and uh, you know Easter is one of the most pivotal uh, times on our Christian calendar and uh, not being able to gather physically this Easter is a little different but we want to make some things a little extra special uh, for Good Friday which we're going to launch a service at 10 a.m. Uh, Good Friday on our website on social media as well as Easter Sunday service uh, 10 a.m. on Sunday. But one thing we want to do just to stay connected in this season of uh, physical distancing, uh, we don't need to be distancing spiritually or so or uh, socially, I guess, uh, via online, uh, but we want to do communion together as a church body. And so we would encourage you to pick up some elements uh, this week, some or bread and some wine. Gather stuff that's around your house, maybe even, maybe an, an untraditional communion. Absolutely. Or if you need something, if you uh, can't get out, uh, contact us. Contact us at the office at info at sunwestchurch.com. And we will try to connect you with uh, elements so you can participate along with us uh, for Good Friday uh, and communion together, virtually at least anyways. Um, I don't know if you remember the game Whack-A-Mole oh, yeah. as a kid. You, you, you hit that one. That's, that's my, like that's a, my she's like in a rock band. Four she's drums. drumming. Um, with Whack-A-Mole, uh, you, know, you hit a mole and uh, you feel like you've accomplished something or won the game. But then up pops this other mole. Um, and you hit that one and you're like, oh, yeah. But then another one comes up. And I've kind of felt a little bit like that this week. In this new season and our new routine, um, you know, it, it's challenging, but it's also uh, fulfilling when you kind of get into a new rhythm and you, you whack that mole on the head. It's like, yes, we win. Uh, we, we figured this out. But then up comes another mole and you're like, oh, shoot, I never thought about that. And then you hit that one and, and it, it just seems to keep going uh, in that cycle, at least for me this week. 
And I don't know about you. I don't know if you're struggling with that and, and being lonely um, or, or figuring out a new routine um, and you're whacking those moles and you celebrate for a second, but then something else comes up. Uh, that's what it's felt like for me. But in this season, we're trying to offer connections, personal connections, so you don't feel like that. And so we would have normally, uh, Amanda, launched our group spring semester. And so we're going to try to do that online, virtually. Absolutely. At SunWest, we don't believe in doing life alone. And even in this unique season, we still don't believe in doing life alone. It's just going to look a little differently. So we have launched, we're going to be launching a uh, selection of online groups for you and your family. And so if you maybe haven't uh, had a chance to connect with some people at SunWest, you can still do so virtually in our new group semester coming up that's starting um, the week of April 20th. And so we are looking for group leaders if you are interested in maybe leading one of those out of your home with the Zoom technology yeah. that we're using. FaceTime, Zoom, whatever, whatever you Absolutely, be creative. Um, just keep your distance. And we would love to, uh, yeah, we're going to be posting those groups. And so we would love to have a good variety so that no one is feeling alone in this season. So be sure to check out our website. The, the online catalog is going to be posted there in the next week or so, as well as our Church Center app. If you've not already downloaded that, go to the App Store and download that. It's a little house, Church Center with an ER. Um, well, and I hope you stay connected. Absolutely. And there will be um, all the groups posted on our app as well. So check all those things out. We're glad that you're with us this morning. We're going to jump in. Uh, Daylin and Chris are going to lead us in some worship here this morning through a few songs. Let's worship together. Pastor Matt's going to continue after that in our Mark series. We hope you're doing well. We miss you. Um, and we're glad that you're here this morning. God bless you and have a fantastic week. Good morning, Sun West. Uh, welcome to Church at Home. Uh, I'm assuming you're at home when you probably should be at home. Uh, this is an unprecedented season as we try and figure out how to do faith and life uh, together as a, as a faith community in a season like this. Um, now we're a few weeks into this, and I hope you're doing okay. I hope you're, you're staying sane. Uh, I know we've had to rethink how we do life here uh, at the Dick household. And my son Silas just had his 10th birthday this past, 10th birthday this past week on April Fool's Day, and that was a different kind of birthday. Uh, we didn't leave the house all day, uh, but we had to figure out a new way to do it. Uh, he's also learned how to whistle uh, in the past couple of weeks, but he can only whistle one note. Uh, so that one note is getting old awfully quick. Uh, we're hoping that he can learn more than one note in the coming weeks. Uh, but we know that this is a stretching time for all of us, so uh, we just uh, we look forward to uh, trying to move forward together in this season and to encourage one another, uh, and I hope you're encouraged this morning. Uh, we have Easter weekend coming up next week, and so I just want to highlight that for you. You might have seen com some communication uh, go out about our Holy Week devotionals, which started this morning. Uh, but for the next nine days through Holy Week, we're going to be posting a devotional at 8 a.m. Uh, from different Sun Westers, and we encourage you to tune into those videos online to read the scriptures. And even though we're apart separately, this is going to give us the opportunity uh, to journey together uh, spiritually and be encouraged by scripture together as we anticipate celebrating what Jesus has done, what he's accomplished on the cross and through his death and resurrection uh, next weekend. Yeah, so we're looking forward to that. And obviously Good Friday services will be at 10 a.m. and Easter Sunday uh, next Sunday at 10 a.m. as well. We're continuing our Mark series, The Gospel According to Mark. Uh, this morning, the title is called Storms, Waves, Boats, and Fears. And it's taken from the end of Mark chapter 4. We've covered a lot of content so far on Mark, and we're going to slow down here a little bit. And we're just going to look at one story this morning, and that's the story in Mark 4, uh, verse 35 to 41. So if you have your Mark journals, you can turn to your Mark journals. Uh, you can follow along in your books there. 
If you don't have a Mark Juliet, you can still order one on Amazon. Uh, they can deliver to your door and you can follow in that way. Uh, it's just the Gospel According to Mark Scripture Journal. Uh, and we just encourage you to take notes and journal through that as we go through Mark uh, together. Uh, Mark weaves Old Testament references throughout his book, and we know uh, the themes and the emphasis and the point of what he's trying to say in a story is sometimes more so when we look at the Old Testament references and the, and the different images and phrases that he's pulling in from elsewhere. And Mark 4 is no different than other places in Mark. And one of the, the places that we need to be aware of uh, that Mark is drawing from in this story is Jonah chapter 1 and Psalm 107. And I would encourage you during the going deeper time, if that's now or later, uh, to read Jonah 1 and to read Psalm 107, specifically verses tw- 23 to 32. And you'll see as you read that and then you read Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41, uh, that there's lots of references and parallels between these three passages. And I would uh, invite you to consider what are the parallels you observe between these and the Mark passage, and how does that enhance our understanding of what happens in the Mark story? What does that tell us about what God is like, what Jesus is doing in this story? And we'll refer to some of those uh, today in the sermon, but we won't be referring to all of them. So why don't you take a read through those passages uh, either now or later. So Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. Let's read the text here together. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, speaking to his disciples who were in the boat, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still, and the wind ceased And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? He said to them, Why are you still afraid? Have you still no faith? I think I just read that. Uh, And then they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? And we have to understand something uh, of the background of how uh, people in the ancient Near Eastern cultures understood the sea. And this sea uh, that is being referred to is, is the same sea that we see over and over again in the book of Mark, and I'll show that to you in a second. But I don't know if you've ever spent time on a sea. I don't know if you are much of a, a seafarer or a sailor. I am not much of one at all, but I have spent significant time behind a motorboat, which is far different than the types of boats that they would be using uh, in this story, obviously. But when I was younger and I was at camp, I would drive boat for... Uh, ski lessons uh, during the skill, skills at the, the summer camp I was working at. Uh, great job driving the sea boat. Uh, the problem was that the ski boat that we were using at the camp uh, when I was around 16, 17 uh, was not a very good boat. And so often the winds would come, the storm would come, and we'd have all these little gaffers, these, these little kids that were there for peewee camp or kids camp and they'd be trying to canoe and the wind would blow them into all corners of the lake and into the reeds Uh, and I as the ski boat driver would have to drive and try and retrieve all of these crying kids that thought uh, there was no hope for them and so they were stranded all over the lake and I remember one time and this actually happened twice uh, because it was an old motorboat I would drive out to rescue these kids and the boat would shut down and so then what would happen is I had these uh, these paddles that were in the boat for such a time as this. And so we would, 
you know, tie the canoes up to the motorboat and I would grab the paddles and I would sit on the front of the, that motorboat and I would paddle the motorboat and these kids in their canoes, uh, that are attached to my motorboat back to shore. And it would take me hours just to go a short, a short distance. And this is, that's the extent of my seafarer experience. I, I'm not much of a, a sailor, like I said. Uh, but I think we could appreciate if we, if we can imagine what it might be like to be there at this time on this sea and in the storm and people are being blown and thrown all about and they're scared, uh, and they're in need of rescue. And that's the situation that we have. And so the sea that we're looking at, we've shown this map a couple times. The sea that we're looking at is here. Uh, it's the Sea of Galilee is, is one name for it. It's named, it's called a number of things in scripture, but that's one of the names that is referred to. And, uh, the, the scene that is happening right now in the book of Mark, uh, th- this place, this geographical place around the lake, uh, is the context for, uh, the stories for the next few chapters. You'll, you'll see Jesus, uh, teaching on this lake and, and going from one side of the lake to the other and back and forth. And this is going to happen for the next few chapters until we get to Mark chapter 8. Uh, and so we see, uh, here Jesus has already been in Capernaum and he's sailing from one side of the sea to the other. He's going from, he's going to go from Jewish lands to Gentile lands and back and forth. And so this is the context of the sea at this point in the story. And the Sea of Galilee was notorious for the storms that would come in, that would blow in. Uh, It was famous for these types of storms. But what we also have to understand, if we go back even further than that, in the context of how uh, the Israelites and ancient Near Eastern peoples understood sea, understood water, and you'll see this throughout the Old Testament, is that the sea was seen as a place of chaos. The sea was seen as a place of evil. Uh, this is where the demonic powers and the beasts and monsters uh, would dwell in the scene. It was the place of the unknown. In fact, if you even go to the Genesis story, we see that God's spirit was hovering over the waters, and, and the waters are, um, are parallel to the chaos, and, and God brought order and creation out of the chaos in the Genesis story. If you fast forward to the end of your Bible, in Revelation, we see in Revelation 21, in the, the vision of the new heavens and new earth, it says that there was no more sea in the new heavens and the new earth. And for those of us who are disappointed because we like being by lakes, we like being by water, uh, don't worry, that's not what it's talking about. What it's saying is that chaos and evil is disappeared. It's gone. God has taken it away. And in fact, in Revelation uh, chapter 4, we, we see a picture of a sea of glass like crystal is what it says in 4 verse 6 in Revelation. And what that's referring to is the sea is calm. Evil is gone. Chaos has been eliminated. And so the understanding of sea... For the people in this time, in this story, was that the sea was seen as a place of the unknown, a place of chaos, a place of evil, a place uh, where demonic powers resided. And so we have much more than just a windstorm. This is a spiritual storm. This is, uh, they're afraid of their lives because they don't understand what is happening. When Jesus calms the sea in the story here, the Sea of Galilee, not only is he calming the sea, but he's, but Mark is telling us that Jesus has victory over all of God's enemies. That is the context of this story. And so we see in verse 37, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. And I've heard many people describe this season that we're in with COVID-19 as a state of, uh, that we are in a state of a storm, like we are in the middle of a storm. And I think that's a great analogy. And I think this is a great story within the Sea of Galilee, which is known for storms. The people at this time knew that the storm was coming. They knew that storms would come. They just didn't always know when they would come. And I think as humans, we know that storms come in this life. 
We don't always know how, we don't always know when, we don't always know what form they will take, but we know one thing for sure is that storms will come. And the disciples are stuck in the storm. They didn't expect it, uh, they weren't surprised by it, but they didn't necessarily expect it. And they're frightened. In their world, maybe we could see their world as their boat, their boat is being overtaken by waves, and these waves are breaking in into the boat. Now, what a beautiful picture, but also a frightening picture, of, uh, of the world that we might be in right now. That there's a storm going on, that we have different waves of this storm that are coming in. Different waves from this pandemic. You know, sometimes we don't even know uh, what wave to believe, maybe. We, we, we hear waves of doomsday, uh, of, of fear, of, you know, this is the end of this or that, or things are never going to be the same. And then we hear waves that everything's fine, it's just, you know, this is normal, that uh, this isn't a big deal, and we don't even know what waves to believe uh, when we're watching the news or when we're, uh, when we're paying attention to what's going on in the world around us. What do we even believe? Well, there's waves of fear. The more we watch the news, maybe the more we feel afraid. The more we pay attention to what's going on, uh, we have fear that maybe becomes paralyzing and our, our minds uh, start to go into all these different places. We, we think of uh, the financial waves that's coming. Maybe you've been laid off already. We know that many people have been laid off. Maybe you have a job and you've been the one that has to lay people off. And that's uh, a wave that none of us would want to experience either. Maybe... You haven't been laid off, but you've had to take a pay cut. Or maybe you're just overwhelmed by the wave that you see coming economically as you think down the road. What's the impact that this current situation is going to have on the next months, on the next years, on the, on the world that my kids are going to inhabit? And, and so we can, the, these waves of fear around finances and, and the economy uh, can overwhelm our boat. Maybe there's waves of grief. There's things that you are planning on doing that aren't happening, the plans you had, you had to cancel, the trips you were excited to take, you haven't, uh, you had to cancel, you're not going to be able to take routines that, you, routines that maybe you had that were life-giving for you, you are not able to participate anymore. Maybe family members and friendships that you've uh, enjoyed in the past, you haven't been able to engage with in the same way. And so we're all experiencing waves of grief in this time. Maybe there's relational storms. For many I know that your homes are not necessarily a safe place. We know that, you know, in this time that many people are stuck in their homes and, and if your home is not a safe place, often the buttons that get triggered in those uh, unhealthy relationships are, are amping up in a season like this. This reality is creating strain in those relationships. And many, maybe you've been separated relationally from the people that, have, that are most life-giving for you. Maybe you're experiencing a wave of addiction. You know, I, I read a stat this last week in the news that um, BC liquor stores, I couldn't find one from Alberta, I'm not just trying to pick on BC, but BC liquor stores are up 40% in sales when the COVID crisis hit. We know that if alcohol was maybe a, an addiction or, a, or where you might have medicated in the past, a time like this when we're feeling waves come into our boat uh, is a time that we maybe go to some of those unhealthy medications. Maybe it's pornography, maybe it's game, gaming. You know, the amount of time that people are spending in front of video games or gambling or drugs or other forms of medication. Maybe you feel that wave of addiction coming in. Maybe you feel anger. You're angry at others. You're, you're angry at government or, or provincial leaders or federal leaders. The way that our city is or isn't responding. Maybe 
you find yourself more susceptible to anxiety and depression in the season. You know, we talked about all these different waves, but, but, but some of you maybe just feel an overwhelming sense of depression and anxiety in the season. You can't even pinpoint what it is. And, and this is not just a storm that's out there, but it's a mental and emotional storm that you're feeling inside. And so we live in this world right now where there's a storm going on around us and the waves are breaking in on, the, on our boats. The, ra- the waves are breaking in on our world. And the question I would like to ask you is, what wave do you see coming into your boat that causes you the most fear? When you actually pause and reflect, what is the wave that you, you see coming in that, that is actually creating the most fear for you? In verse 35, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. See, this is an interesting point in the perspective, because this is the story is told from the perspective of the disciples. That we know. But we, we also have to recognize that the disciples weren't the only ones caught in the storm. The disciples weren't in the only boat caught in the storm. That there were other people on this lake experiencing the same storm. There were other boats. There are many boats. And let's pull back for a second from just the view of the disciples and imagine uh, other people that are on this lake. It's not just the disciples in the boat, but there's other people on uh, in their boats. And, and you might have heard this phrase before, that we're all in the same boat together. Uh, and that's a common phrase, and in some ways that's true. We're all experiencing something similar, but uh, one of my friends, Shar uh, Woodman, who's a Sun Wester, uh, put this quote on it post on Facebook last week, and I asked her if I could share it because I thought it was just a beautiful picture and metaphor for exactly what we're talking about. And she said, I've been hearing, well, we're all in the same boat. And for some reason, it's with a southern drawl in my head. And I don't know what a southern drawl sounds like, but we're all in the same boat. I don't know if that's a southern drawl. (laughs) Um, I really don't think we are, she says, though. We're in the same storm, but some of us are in army tankers and submarines, and some of us are in kayaks and floaties or hanging on to a boogie board. Wow. I think that's so true. We're all in the same storm. That is true. But some of our boats look differently, different. Some of us maybe aren't even in boats. Some of us maybe we feel like we're in a motorboat, or as she says, an army tanker or a submarine. Uh, but maybe you feel like you're in a, on a boogie board. Uh, if we're all in the same storm but not in the same boat, which picture best describes you and why? Are you in an army tank or submarine, a fishing boat, a canoe, a kayak? Maybe you're one of those people on a boogie board that you just f- feel like you're hanging on. Which one describes you? Which one describes your situation? Take a moment and even pause the video and just reflect on that. Or you can f- reflect on it after. If you're watching this in, in a small group or with your family, uh, you can talk about that question together. And why would you pick that picture that you picked? And maybe there's another picture you would, you would describe yourself in. Why is that? But he, Jesus, was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. So here's Jesus in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the situation where the disciples and other people in other boats are afraid for their very lives, and Jesus is asleep. Can you imagine? We're in the storm of COVID-19, and Jesus is asleep. 
And they woke him up. And they woke up Jesus and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Did you know that we are not the first group of Christians who have wondered what God is up to when we're in trouble? We're not the first ones that have asked this question. God, do you not care that we are perishing? God, are you aware of what's going on? God, are you paying attention? And here Jesus is asleep and he's silent in the boat and the disciples are wrestling with this question. Does God know what's happening? Does God care? And here's a question for you. That if God is silent, does that mean that God is absent? If God is silent, does that mean that he's absent? If God is sleeping, as we see in this picture, does that mean that God doesn't care? Maybe there's something else going on. In what ways have you had expectations of God that he hasn't met? I think we all have. And maybe you're in the moment right now where you have an expectation of God and you're wondering where he is and if he's going to show up. Do you have any that God hasn't met or isn't meeting? And is there anywhere that you feel God is silent right now? What do you think that means? And what's your response to that disappointment? What's your response when God doesn't show up the way we think he ought to? Let's see how Jesus responds in this situation. So the disciples wake him up. Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care what's going on? We might die, and you're sleeping. And Jesus, here's the response. He awoke, and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, and I think it's worth noting that this word rebuked, it's the same word that is used in Mark when Jesus casts out demons. So coming back to this this water as a place of evil and chaos, um, Jesus is responding to the water as if he's responding to evil. He rebukes the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Why still, why, sorry, have you still no faith? So Jesus responds, say, Peace, be still. And it's interesting if you think of Jesus at peace asleep in the boat and he, and he wakes up and you say, how can Jesus be at sleep in the boat? Well, I think part of the answer is that Jesus isn't afraid of anything out there. That he's not afraid of anything out there and, and he can live at peace enough in a storm that he could actually be sleeping. And when he wakes up, he is simply speaking and giving away that which already resides in himself. Jesus is at peace enough to sleep, and when he wakes up, he is able to give that peace away into a chaotic world. Jesus gives away what he has. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And we hear that we see this theme of faith again come up in Mark. And faith is not the absence of fear. And sometimes we, even in this season, I've heard lots of uh, dichotomy between fear and faith. Have we no faith? Are we afraid? And And Jesus is not actually suggesting that someone who has faith doesn't have fear. He's saying, why are you so afraid? In other words, why is your fear becoming more powerful than your faith? Why is your fear overcoming your faith? Faith is not the absence of fear. Faith is our response in the face of fear. Faith is not a feeling. Faith is not trying to believe something about God despite what's happening in my situation. Faith is a response. Faith is a behavior. Faith looks a lot like courage. And so when our fear rises up, Jesus isn't saying, 
you know, you should have no fear because you have faith. He's saying, is your faith going to rise up to the level of your fear? Are you going to match your fear with faith? What is your response going to be? Are you going to get in a fetal position in the boat? Are you going to feel sorry for yourself? Or are you actually going to rise up? Are you going to have courage? Are you going to trust God more than you trust what's happening in the world around you? What is more powerful? And so Jesus here is actually criticizing the disciples, not because they're afraid, but, be, but because their level of faith is nowhere near their level of fear. What is our response in the face of fear? And so we see that Jesus says, Peace be still, and the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. Right? And you think, hey, that's great news. He rebukes the disciples after that. Why are you so afraid? Have still no faith. And what happens next? They were filled with great fear. That's odd. They were filled with great fear. You would think they were afraid. Jesus is woken up. Jesus speaks calm. And then I, I, would, I would anticipate the next line in the, in the story being, they were filled with great peace. That's not what happens. It says they were filled with great fear. What's going on here? This is what happens. There's a great, uh, Mark uses the word great uh, along with each of these words. There's a great storm, there's a great calm, and there was a great fear. And he's trying to draw our attention to the, these parts of the story. Great storm, the waves are breaking in. The disciples are afraid. Jesus shows up where Jesus is woken up and he speaks this peace and calm and everything is, there's this great calm that happens. And then the response is, there's a great fear. What is Mark wanting us to see here? Well, if you actually went and read Jonah 1, you'll know that the story in Mark 4 and the story in Jonah 1 are very, very, very similar. In fact, these, these same three characteristics of the story in Mark 4 exist in Jonah chapter 1. You know, if you know the story, Jonah ran, ran, ran away from God. He didn't want to follow God's calling. He got in a ship, and then the Lord sent this wind, and there was the storm on the sea. And the text says there was this great wind. There was this great storm that came. And all of those aboard were afraid. And the sailors, it says, they cried out to their own gods. You know, they weren't, they weren't uh, Israelites on that boat, and so all of them were, were crying out to their pagan gods and praying and, and looking for somebody to, ha- found, to help them. And then they went and they found Jonah. And where was Jonah? He was, in the bottom of the boat, asleep. And they said to him, How can you sleep during a storm? Anybody see a parallel here with Mark chapter 4? How can you sleep within a storm? And then they say to him, Get up and call on your God. We're all praying to our gods. You get up and pray to your God. You call on your God. And as they're talking to Jonah, they find out that Jonah was running from his God and they don't know what to do. And so they they have this dialogue and they decide they're going to throw Jonah into the sea because they realize that this might might be happening because of God. So they throw Jonah into the sea and perhaps uh, that will help. And then when they threw Jonah into the sea, there was a great calm. So there's a great storm. They throw Jonah into the sea, and then everything is calm. And then it says that the people grew afraid, that the people were greatly afraid because of what happened. So that's the Jonah 1 story. Now we go back to Mark, and the disciples wake up Jesus because he's sleeping, like Jonah, in the boat. And what do you think Mark's readers? Everybody knew the story of Jonah. 
What do you think Mark's readers are anticipating would happen? They, you know, Jonah, or Jesus, like Jonah, is asleep in the boat. They were afraid. The storm came, and they woke up Jonah, and they're thinking, pray, can you pray to your God? Because remember, at this point, the disciples actually don't truly know who Jesus is yet. They've called him teacher earlier on in the story. Teacher. Can you pray to God for us? Jesus, we know that you have a connection to God and we need help. Can you pray to God for us? And Jesus gets up, does not speak a word of a prayer, but he speaks and rebukes the wind and speaks peace. You, it's as if Jesus is saying to his disciples, you're looking for me to pray to God, but you don't realize that you just did. I am God. God isn't out there somewhere. You know, the thinking at the time was God was out there somewhere. We had to pray to God and, you know, get God to respond to us. Is God even aware of our needs? Is, you know, is God uh, trying to ignore us? Is he even paying attention? And here in Mark 4, we, we learn that God is not somewhere out there. That God is right here. And the reason that the disciples are afraid in Mark chapter 4 is because they realize that they're in the presence of one that is greater than the storm. The storm was great. The storm was frightful. But they realize at the end of Mark 4, because they say, who, who is this that commands the wind and the waves and they obey him? In Mark 4, they realize that the presence of Jesus is greater than the presence of the storm. And so they're afraid. Now here's an interesting tie-in to this whole story is that in the, the book of Matthew, Jesus refers to the sign of Jonah. The, the Pharisees are asking Jesus for a sign so that he can prove who he is. And, and Jesus says, I'm not going to give you a sign except for that of the sign of Jonah. What's Jesus referring to there? It says that just like Jonah spent three days in the belly of the fish, this is what it says in Matthew 12, uh, just like Jesus, Jonah spent three days in the belly of a huge fish, so will I spent three days in the heart of the earth. And did you know at that time, people understood the heart of the earth that, you know, down there deep in the ground, they refer to this area Sheol, which gets translated as hell. That Jesus is saying that the sign of jo- Jonah is that I will willingly throw myself overboard to the depths of the sea, to the heart of the earth, to the depths of hell. The sign of Jonah is a sign that there is nowhere in all of creation that the presence of God represented in Jesus will not go. There is no storm that he's afraid of. There is no depth that's too deep for him. And there is no pain that's too painful for him. This is what we actually celebrate as we come towards Easter weekend. That the God of the universe isn't somewhere out there, but he's actually here. And that he's not absent. In fact, he's entering into our world, into our storms, and that there is no storm, there is no place that this God will not go. You see, we want a God, just like the disciples, that save us from everything that is difficult, and that's not the God that we have in the Bible. I'm sorry to break it to you. We do not have a God in the Bible that promises to save us from everything that's difficult. The promise that we have in the Bible is that he is with us and he will never forsake us. The promise is not that God will protect us from every single storm, but the promise is that he will be present in every boat. 
The promise is not that he's going to protect us from every storm, but that he will be present in every boat, or in every kayak, or in every canoe, or boogie board. Wherever you find yourself, the story of Mark 4 was not written just for a historical account so we would understand what happened 2,000 years ago. Mark actually wrote down his story, as the story is about Jesus, to encourage a church that was suffering a persecuted church. You know, we're not being persecuted, but we are in a time of stretching and trial and wrestling and, um, and suffering in many ways. And this story was written for us, that we would know that God is not somewhere out there that God is not absent, even though we might wonder where he is or what's happening, or is God silent, is God paying attention? We are encouraged at the story in Mark chapter 4 because we know that God himself is in the boat with us. And so, Son West, may you come to know that in your boat, in your ship, in your canoe, in your kayak, on your floaty, that you're not alone. May you come to see that Jesus is asleep beside you. And may, we, may you know that his sleep is not because he's absent, but because he's in control and that he's at peace. May you know that he is more powerful than whatever storm you feel like is going on in your life. May your eyes focus on Jesus and not the storm. May we hear and receive the words of Jesus when he says, Peace, be still. And may you come to know that the one who is with you and is present with you is more powerful than anything in all of creation. There's no place, no space, that his presence will not go with you. Amen.